Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody again. Yeah, it feels like it's been a while. I've had lots of good reports from the guys who filled in while I was gone and thankful for all those guys. And, and I think it's really cool that we can do that within our body. And, uh, and so thank you to those guys. Um, thankful for the staff that just kind of picked up the details while I was gone and, and everything ran so smoothly. And so uh, I decided I'm just going to go take another three weeks and I'll see you guys later. No, yeah. no I had a, it was a good, good three weeks. I just thought I'd kind of fill you in on some of the stuff that we got to do. We went uh, down to Beaver Lake for several days, rented a house down there and took the boat down there and had some good family time and fishing and boating and tubing, skiing, that kind of stuff. So that was fun. Uh, the next week, for a few days, we went to Chicago. Uh, my son has an internship in, in Chicago this summer, and so we got to spend some time with him. And then, uh, well, you know, you can't go to Chicago without going to the Cubs games, right? So so we went to two Cubs games, and uh, they won both games. Uh, and one game, they scored 14 runs, and, and one game, they scored 10 runs. So uh, it was awesome, and... Uh, the only bad thing, it was like 107 heat index, but besides that, it was good. But we were covered where we were at, so um, so I heard the Cardinals fired their manager, so if, it's a good time to jump ship right now. If you want to come over to the good side, uh, I'll let you, okay? Not later when they were in the World Series, but now you can, so. So we did that, and then the, the next week, uh, I was able to go on kind of a personal spiritual retreat. Uh, down um, to a place called the Brook at Bethpage. It's uh, about an hour south of here, near kind of Anderson, Missouri. And so it was just a great few days of, you know, just spending time with God. And and uh, I, I kind of called my time, I, I called it Week of Wow, because I just really wanted to be wowed by God and get reconnected with God. And this is a, a cross that's at the retreat center and. Uh, this actually, there's a big valley down below it, and this is probably about 40 feet tall. And so one night I was out there just, you know, praying, and and uh, the sun was setting, and it was just awesome, you know, just to be out there. And and there's no uh, internet service or TV service or anything there, so it was just a good few days to spend with God. And so that was that was a great time, um, and and it was good too. I I, I was reminded just how awesome God is and and just kind of renewed in my faith and and uh, how exciting it is to be a Christian and and you know we showed that video of how you know we get excited about so many things and we just want to tell people and and show people uh, you know these things that we're excited about and and you know I think most of us start out that way in our faith we're excited uh, that we're Christians and and we want people to know and then sometimes kind of along the way we we start to lose some of that 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 excitement, and and it's just you know it's kind of gone, um, and so um, we're, what we want to do we're going to start a series uh, from the book of Second Timothy, and uh, um, there's a Matt Proctor, the president of Ozark Christian College, wrote a a book um, kind of going through Second Timothy called Finish Line Faith. And so that was kind of the inspiration for the, the name of this series. Um, but over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about, you know, finishing strong in our faith, but, but not just kind of finishing, 
you know, we want to go strong as we go through our, our lives and, and, and be excited about serving God, right? You know, we don't just want to limp along and say, yeah, I'm a Christian, blah, blah, blah. This needs to be an exciting thing. Uh, it, we, we need to keep pursuing Jesus throughout our lives. And, and so the process is important. Um, and, and then that helps us to finish strong. I, I apologize, I've told this story multiple times, um, but it, I think it relates to this well. So some of you haven't heard it yet. What, my worst track experience ever was, I, it was either my 8th or ninth grade year, and I was running the 400, and there was this one guy named Jeff Hollingshead from Knoxville, Iowa, who beat me every time. I'd get second place to him at every meet. We tended to be at the same little meets, and so one day I decided I'm going to beat Jeff Hollingshead. I don't care if it kills me. So we get ready. Runners ready, set, go. I take off and I take off like I'm running a hundred meter dash because I'm going to win this race. So, so I'm going and you know, 400 meters, it's kind of a controlled sprint. You really can't sprint, sprint the whole way, but I did, or I tried to. So I take off first hundred meters. I'm, you know, way, way out ahead. I'm like, this is awesome. I feel good. This is the day. And get to the 200 meter mark and still doing good. I'm way out in front and, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, he's worried now. Um, and we get around the third corner and, and I'm still ahead by quite a bit, but I'm starting to kind of wait, not feel very good. And, and I'm thinking, uh, I may be in trouble here, but I think maybe I can push through this. I'll just keep going. And I get through the fourth corner, still in first. And, you know, they, they talk about that wall that you run into. Yeah, it, it, I hit that wall. And my body just kind of locked up. It was like it froze, and it was just, I was going in slow motion. And so first Jeff Hollingshead came past me, and then the next guy, and then the next guy, and the next guy. And I barely, man, I did finish the race, but I was in last place by the time I finished the race. So I, I, I learned a, a valuable lesson that day. First, I, I, I'm never going to try to beat Jeff Hollingshead again. He's, he's better than me. That's okay. Uh, but you have to, to run the whole race well. Okay, you, you can't just go out there and, and, and go out so hard because there's nothing left at the end. And I think it's kind of the same in, in our, our spiritual walks with God. We, we want to finish well, but, but in order to do that, you've got to keep living for Christ. You've got to keep serving Him, keep growing in your faith throughout your life. Amen? And so we want to kind of take a look at that you know, in the next weeks, what that's going to look like. And so um, I hope as we look at Second Timothy in the next few weeks that this is going to give some of you guys kind of a shot of, in, in your arms of faith. And, and it's going to maybe kind of wake some people up, kind of get us excited a little bit. Because I, I think we, we, we're, we're not doing God any justice in our faith when we just kind of muddle through life as Christians. So let me kind of talk about the, the story of Timothy, the, the book and, and the person a little bit as, as we get into this. It was written about 67 A.D., uh, about 15 years before this time, um, Paul met Timothy on a trip through a small town of Lystra, and he, he noticed this young man, uh, he was probably about 18 at the time, and, and he thought, you know, this guy's pretty mature for his age, I see a lot of potential in him. 
And, and so he invited Paul or Timothy to go on the rest of that journey with him. And, and Timothy accepted that. And uh, this ended up being just kind of life-changing for, for both Paul and Timothy. Um, Timothy had been raised under the godly influence of his uh, mother Eunice, his grandmother Lois. And uh, his father, we, they think, probably was not a believer and uh, maybe not even around much. Um, and so Paul um, kind of became like the, the father, the, the spiritual father that, that Timothy didn't have. And, and Timothy was kind of like the son that, that Paul didn't have. And, and so uh, you look at some of the things that Paul says through different um, books. And even here in this book, he says things like in chapter 1, verse 2, Second Timothy, Paul just simply says, when he's addressing the letter, to Timothy, my dear son. Okay, my dear son. You can just see kind of that, this, the way he, he reaches out, the way he addresses him, and you can just sense the affection that he has for him. And, and while Paul taught Timothy kind of like a, a rabbi w- would teach a disciple, he, Timothy was much more than just another student to Paul. He, what began as kind of a teaching pupil uh, relationship it grew into a, a deep friendship uh, in, in verse 4 Paul says I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy okay and then, remember Paul's writing this from prison in Rome at this time near the end of his life and and this this stage of life was was difficult for Paul uh, a lot of people had kind of deserted him and uh, he's in prison his trusted friends, some of them left him, and, and many of them had not finished well. And so he wanted to, to make sure that his, his spiritual son, Timothy, did finish well, and how important that was. And in, in various New Testament letters, Paul mentions Timothy 18 different times. And so he's a, it's just a big thing. In Philippians 2.20, he even says, I have no one else like him. Okay, so out of all the people that Paul worked with, Timothy, man, there's just something that, that stood out about him. He's a special young man. Now, eventually, Paul entrusted Timothy with what might have been the, uh, the most significant kingdom assignment um, of any of the churches that Paul worked with. And, and this was to, to lead the church in the city of Ephesus. Okay, you see, outside of Rome... Ephesus was, was probably the most strategic Roman city uh, out of any of them. It was the capital of the Roman province of Asia Minor, and, and it stood at a, a major crossroads. Okay, it was a midpoint of both the, the north and south and the east-west travel for the, the whole empire, and so lots of things came through here. It was a large city. It was diverse. It was a very affluent city, and... Um, this is where Paul actually recorded his own longest ministry. He was in Ephesus for three years. And it says he worked night and day trying to get this church going. And uh, years later then, kind of, kind of some disturbing news came from the church. And, and uh, there's, there seemed to be kind of materialism was creeping into the church and, and divisiveness and, and uh, these false teachers were kind of infiltrating the church. And, and so Timothy was there kind of in the midst of this, trying to kind of get things going right again. And um, it was discouraging as, as he went through this. And, and, and I think he had lost some of his excitement for Jesus along the way. 
And, and so I would say the book of 2 Timothy, it's kind of a, a pep talk from Paul. You know, while he's in prison, it's towards the end of his life. You know, it's this kind of the rah-rah, come on, Timothy, let's go. And if I were to pick a kind of a key verse for the whole book, for I think for Timothy, and really it's, it's an awesome verse for us to kind of keep in the back of our minds as well, it's, it's 2 Timothy 2.8. And it says, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead. You know, Timothy, whatever is going on in your life, whatever is happening, just remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. That's why you're doing this. This is what it's all about. And all of us can, you know, things are going on in our lives. Just go back to this. This is like the foundation. Just go back. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Okay, so I want to tell a story. Matt, Matt Proctor, um, there was a time when he was helping out with some of the kids in his church, and, uh, and I assume it's the Central City Church he's talking about, but he, he tells a story of uh, they, they took the kids to a, a passion play one year. And there was quite a few kind of unchurched kids that were in this group and, you know, that they would pick up and um, from a pretty rough neighborhood. And they got there pretty early uh, to the to the event and the kids were just kind of going crazy, you know, all over the place. And this one kid named David especially was rough. And so Matt was kind of just assigned to David and, and he was all over the place. He was telling dirty jokes to the other kids and, and just, you know, having a, uh, he was having fun. Matt was struggling. He was ready to go home before it even started. Finally, the lights went down and to, to Matt's surprise, uh, within moments, David was just captivated by this play and, and he was just watching, eyes wide open with wonder and, and he never really heard the story of Jesus, so he kept kind of asking Matt questions as they went along and and as they watched Matt started to see the the story of Jesus kind of freshly through David's eyes and when when Jesus came down the aisle carrying his cross he he passed just kind of inches from where they were at and and David was just looking at him transfixed and and the soldiers began pounding the nails in Jesus wrists and and David asked Matt with kind of genuine concern and, and grief. He said, why, why are the soldiers doing that? Why are they killing him? You know, it's a good question. Think about that. If you've never seen that or heard that story before, and Matt just kind of tried to simply explain Jesus hadn't done anything wrong. He, he let the soldiers kill him to take the punishment for our sins. And those other two men on the cross were criminals. They died for the bad things they did. But Jesus died for the bad things we did. And David said with tears in his eyes, well, that's not fair. And Matt said, you're right, David. It wasn't fair. But he did it because he loved us. And Matt experienced that night kind of a renewed sense of wonder and awe at the story of Jesus. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. That's kind of our go-to place 
And we should never forget that. And, and that's what Paul is reminding Timothy about. And, and now we're reminded of that still today as we read this letter. Now, sometime before Timothy officially started into to ministry, Paul prayed for Timothy, laid hands on him, and uh, he was given a special gift. Let's, let's read verses 6 and 7 of chapter 1. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. Okay, we're not told exactly what this gift is that Timothy was given. I, I don't think that this is the Holy Spirit. I think Timothy already had the Holy Spirit at this time, but this is a special gifting that God gave Timothy. And Paul is reminding him to, to fan into flame by the Holy Spirit to use this gift that was given him. I think Paul is saying to Timothy, God gave you a great gift. Okay, keep developing it. Keep using it. Keep fanning the flame. You know, fire needs air to burn, right? You know, if, if the oxygen is cut off from a fire, it's, it's going to go out pretty quickly. If, when you have uh, wildfires, they, they spread quickly when the wind picks up a lot of times because that wind just fans those flames and they, they push across and they're, they're, you know, they're not in control at times until the wind calms down and there's less air. Um, Paul is reminding Timothy to, you know, just to keep using that Holy Spirit to, to fan the, the flame of these gift that's been given to him. And, and the thing is, God has gifted each of us as well. You guys all have different talents here. You know, different men from our church preached the last three weeks, and, and some, some of you are like, I would never get up here and talk, right? Okay, but, the, but you guys do just important things in other areas of the church. And, and if, we, we, if we don't use those, then we're kind of squelching those gifts that God has given us. So we need to fan the flame of those gifts. So, so verse 7, it describes three keys to fanning the flame of our faith. Okay, it says, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit, first of all, of power. Okay, so we're missing the boat if we don't tap into the Spirit's power. Okay, the Greek word here is dunamis. Okay, it's where we get our, our English word dynamite, um, and it's, it's a strong word. It's just a power word. My uh, daughter's club volleyball team, she played on, I think for four years, was called the Joplin Dunamis, and, and uh, it was kind of a Christian-based club, but, but the, the idea is that, you know, that these girls would play with power. And, and, and man, if you've seen some of those girls hit the volleyball in those clubs, they do. It's scary. I'd, I'd get on the other side and, you know, be like that if I was there. But 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 they they play with power, and and, and that that's what this word is, you know. That if you're not using the Spirit's power in your life, you're, you're missing out. And I think we leave a lot on the table as Christians with the Spirit. We miss out on its power. And so Paul's constant prayer for God's people was this. We look at Ephesians 3.16. I pray out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Okay? Get that? Strengthen you with power deep inside from your very core that you're being strengthened by the power of the Spirit. You know, if we do physical training, they often talk about 
you know, you strengthen your core muscles and, and your core affects everything. You know, it's your balance is better and, and you're just you're stronger overall. And, and how important it is to, to make that, that core strong. You know, I, I actually, you probably can't tell, but I have like this strong core. There's like a six-pack abs. It's just a lot of cushion on, on top of it. So um, it, it's just kind of waiting to get back out there someday. But, but that, you know, we talk about physical core and being strong there. But, but there, spiritually, the, the Holy Spirit is like your, your foundation, your strong core. It's your power. And, and so um, that's, that's what Paul's talking about here. It's like use the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, how do you access this power? Uh, it's by faith, by by trusting God, by leaning on Him. It's, it's by not using your own power, but by using God's power. And so our, our faith in Jesus helps us access that power. Second spirit resource Paul lists here is love. Okay, tap into the Spirit's love. You know, th- there are several kinds of love in Greek, several words for love. The word here is agape love. And someone defined it as an un- unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. I like that. Okay, it's, you're committing to, to love somebody no matter what, even when they're, they're hard to love. And obviously, you know, Timothy, he's facing some hard people to love in his church. The, there is false stuff going on. There's all these, these negative things going on. And, and uh, it's just hard to love those people. And, and Paul's saying, keep loving on the people in your church, Timothy. Just keep loving. Keep loving. Show love to, to the world around you. It will make a difference. And it's the same for us today, right? Sometimes it's hard to love people around us. And, and there's people that's like, man, I really don't want good things to happen for them. I don't like them very much. Um, no, this is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. And when I talk about this, I always remind you guys that there's probably some people that think that we're pretty hard to love too, right? So it, does, it goes both ways. So we've got to keep that in mind. Um, but love people. Third spirit resource that Paul lists here is let the Spirit help with self-discipline. Okay, did you know that the Holy Spirit can actually kind of help you be more self-disciplined? The Greek word here actually means control of yourself in the face of passion. Okay, whether the, the temptation is greed or lust or anger or pride or laziness, the 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 Spirit helps the believer overcome kind of these these passions that that war against us and so how does the spirit do this well the word self-discipline within that word there's kind of this idea of this basic idea of good judgment or or wise thinking and uh, you know the devil he's he's a master deceiver and and he he's kind of whispering in your ears to kind of distort your thinking one way Uh, the holy spirit kind of counters with this by by whispering truth in your ears it's kind of like the good and evil thing you know, in the cartoons you used to have the good the guy and the bad guy um you know there's kind of a fight for for who to, to listen to and and we have to be sensitive and, and in tune to what the the spirit is trying to tell us and, and I, I think a lot of times christians start to lose their their passion their excitement because they 
they're just not self-disciplined to, enough to listen to the Spirit and let the Spirit work in their lives. And we'll be talking about this more in, in the coming weeks, but just the, the self-discipline, the, the different spiritual disciplines that we can do, the, the idea of just spending time with God in prayer and how important that is and, and uh, reading God's Word. And it, it was a good reminder to me of that on my, my spiritual retreat that just, you know, nothing else mattered. It was just spending time with God. And, and, you know, I just felt so much more in tune with God after that. So prayer, love, self-discipline, um, three keys for Timothy, but I think keys for us as well in fanning the, the flame of our faith. Calling on the power of the Holy Spirit to work through us, asking the, the Spirit to, to fill us with love, having the, the Spirit help us with self-discipline. But here's the thing, guys. While I was there um, on my retreat, there was a, there was a little um, oh, a cemetery at the, that was on the property, an old cemetery by by our standards. You know, in the U.S., there's not things that are super old, but for around here, it was pretty old. And and uh, uh, there's a sign that said it was. 1820 I think we have a picture of that yeah so this Edmund Cemetery 1820 for some reason I was I was drawn to this cemetery and, and uh, just started looking at the the graves and and a lot of them were so old that they there just wasn't any writing on the stones anymore but this was the oldest one I found that you could still read and the this person was born in 1802 and they died in 1857 and so they lived to be 47 years old, and, and uh, you know, that's not, not too far off of how old I am. And so it just kind of hit me like, man, uh, you know, our, our lives are, are short here, and we never know how long they'll be. There was one that I saw, and it was a little girl, and she was born May 11, 1922, and she died May 19, 1922. And so she lived eight days. And I was just thinking, man. First of all, how sad is that? That the, you know, uh, can imagine the parents how sad they were that they, their their daughter only lived eight days. Um, but then I just was thinking about things, and the the verse in James just really came to mind. That James four fourteen says, "Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes." We don't know uh, uh, how long our lives will be. Some people won't live very long. Some people will, will live to be 100. My grandma in November will be 100. But either way, you know, whether you live eight days or 100 years, compared to eternity, that's not very long, right? All of us are going to die someday unless Jesus comes back. Every single one of us. And, and when you kind of think of that in the big picture, you start to think, man, my life here on, on this earth is short. I need to take good advantage of it for Jesus. I need to not get caught up in some of the things that I get caught up in that seem so important, but man, really, are they that important in the big picture? You know, life, it's too short to have stale faith. Life is too short 
to give up on people. Life is too short to give up on yourself. Life is too short to, to let your passion for Jesus slip and wane. And if that's where you're at, it's time to get excited. God wants to use you. Come on, let's go. It's time. Just like Paul was giving Timothy a pep talk, I want, sometimes we need that pep talk that, hey, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Do you need to get excited about Jesus all over again? And I'm talking to myself too here, but, you know, what do you need to do this week for Jesus? Go do something for Jesus. Get out of your comfort zone. Fan the flame of the Holy Spirit in your life. Use the gifts God has given you. God's not done with you. God's not done with our church. Let's go. Amen. Amen. Church, it's time to get excited all over again. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Let's pray. Lord, we have so much to be thankful for, so much to be excited about. And yet it's so easy to let life kind of kind of bring us down and we begin to lose some of that excitement. And Lord, I pray for those who might be there today. They're just kind of here. And I'm thankful that they're here, but I pray that you'll just begin to reignite that, that flame in their lives. And that we will be a church that it's alive for you and excited to serve you. And that we will be individuals that are ready to go out into the world with excitement for You. Lord, we, we love You. We thank You. Thank You for being patient with us. It's in Your name we pray. Amen.